Welcome to So You Can Heal. I'm Abby Parker, a licensed mental health counselor and therapist at Still Point Consultants. And I'm Josh. I'm a licensed social worker and a therapist at Still Point Consultants as well. Josh, have you ever looked at a blueprint of a house or a building? Only on Home Alone. When he rolls it out to set up all of his traps. <laughs> That's the only one I've ever seen. That's an awesome reference. <laughs> yeah. I loved that movie growing up. Same. But yeah, no. I've never seen real blueprints. I, I love looking at them. Like when I was a kid, I used to look in the Country Living magazines and look at house layouts or plans. I mean, those mm-hmm. aren't blueprints, but to see like where the walls would be and how you would enter and what it would look like and imagine yourself in that space. Um, so I, like, I have a fascination for blueprints, actually. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. I remember like seeing like, the diagrams of like, ooh, if you want feng shui in this room and these are your items, then move them around here. Or, yeah. Or where they do like the Tetris thing where they give you the room and you, they give you all the shapes and you have to make everything uh-huh. fit and you get to see how it would look. And yeah. But like actual blueprints, no, I've never got to see them. But it is really well, fascinating. Sorry. No, you're fine. And I mean, Really, metaphorically, we get to see blueprints all the time in therapy. Sure. Sure. Because if we take it into the world of therapy, psychology, um, spirituality, however you want to view this, we get to see the structure in which someone is living or the frame in which they have lived in. Yeah. Yeah, I find blueprints impact so many things, like literally everything. And often we are completely unaware of what those blueprints even are. Yeah. And that's so true. Like so the subconscious beliefs that we have, the thoughts, the actions, almost everything that is in our reality. Something I find really interesting about blueprints is that we're not the ones who have usually set the original walls or the original plumbing, or the original electricity, or any part of our original blueprint. That's so true. The, all of those pieces and components are set in place by our caregivers growing up. And those uh, specs, I guess, are set based on roles we're put into. And, and I would almost bet that the roles we are put into as children by our caregivers are very similar roles to what they were put in as kids. I mean, unless they've had extensive work done around, like, their own blueprints and things like that. And I'm so glad you said that because I think of the blueprints that were put in place for them and the blueprints that were put in place for them. And so you're looking at genealogy and ancestry and genetically. And so all of those different factors play into the blueprint that you are brought into this world with. Right. Those subconscious beliefs about what we are supposed to be doing and how we're supposed to respond to things, how we think about ourselves or what's expected of us or how we work or don't. And yeah, like it, yeah, 
everything is impacted. And I do think, like you said, like it is very generational. And even like in our relationship, you've been able to support me in seeing some of those things for myself. Like acknowledging that, did you really put that thought mm. into your experience? Or did someone else put that thought into your experience? Right. And I think that can be a really hard concept and thought for people. Because sometimes we don't know, like it's there, you know. But I think the awareness that even asking yourself that question can bring can offer insight into what you really think about it because you start exploring like is this true for me versus do I find something else true and yeah I I just find it fascinating when we are able to begin questioning the things that we've held true for so long because I think when we're able to start doing that like real deep change can truly happen and it's scary. Yeah, it's very scary. Because if you think about a blueprint, if you move a wall and you're not sure it's going to right. be held up in the structure, the entire house could fall down. Right. Is it, yeah, is it a structural wall or is it just a, what do they call them? Design choice? <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. Am I just going to put a door in or an extra window? Mm-hmm. Or just knock all of it down. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. So as we move into how parts play a role in our blueprint, so our subconscious beliefs, our thoughts, actions, all of the things that kind of impact our conscious parts, the underlying structure, they kind of support and house all of the rooms, so the parts, right? So I guess that's kind of how I see parts, where the blueprint is kind of the house with all the rooms and, or the building with all the rooms or offices or whatever, and all of the rooms individually are the parts. And can we adapt and change those parts? Sure, we can knock walls down and make them look different. We can engage with them differently. We can utilize the space differently. So I think that we are able to engage with those pieces in different ways. <laughs> but um, and sometimes we're able to integrate parts where if we knock one wall down, we're able to integrate it into another piece or another part. How would you describe parts? And do you think my explanation of parts in a metaphorical building makes sense? <laughs> yes, I think the parts in a metaphorical building make sense. And I think we are taught to do lots of different things for our parts, with our parts. Um, and that shows, I think, the adaptations and the defenses that we end up co-creating with our caregivers or our stories that impact how we treat those rooms. Like if we pack a lot of stuff into one room and we lock the door and we pretend it's not there, that's one way 
of dealing with a part or we don't keep anything private and everything is open and you know thoughts, feelings, experiences, and it could be too overwhelming. I do have an interesting question about parts though. Mm -hmm. When it comes to a blueprint and parts, I could see where parts are developed when ruptures occur or when we disconnect from our original core self. I think that there are a number of parts that are really adaptations to, like you said, ruptures or needs not being met, trauma. And as a means of protecting itself, the brain kind of begins isolating and encapsulating experiences and feelings, for lack of a better term, and kind of puts them in these little capsules which becomes a part and sometimes those parts are buried at the back at the bottom of all of this stuff in a room that we don't really look at and sometimes they're not sometimes they're really big and sometimes it's a main room (laughs) but yes i agree parts are developed through a variety of experiences and sometimes it's for protection. And if we look at it from a generational lens, like if you think about how your caregivers dealt with certain things like guilt or shame or anger or whatever their experiences were, you have learned through their demonstration of how to deal with that too. Right. And so you might consider that a particular space on your blueprint or in your home within yourself is that's how you're supposed to do it. You're supposed to flee to a certain room of anxiety of an anxious part, or you're supposed to bury it in the backyard and hope it doesn't like show up later or, or you continuously repaint the wall in order for it to be either shown in big, bright colors or hidden behind more wallpaper. So with what we're talking about, like how can we give, I mean, I know we've been given like metaphorical kind of explanations or examples, like what are some common blueprint part pieces that you've seen, that you experience yourself, that can help our listeners better understand, I guess. Sure. So I absolutely live with a guilty part. Same. (laughs) And I think a lot of people can. Sure. And I think that comes from pressure to be a certain way or to perform a certain way. And so, like, if I am starting to feel guilty, my adaptation is to do something about it. Like, I'm supposed to be doing something. And then I talk to myself about doing something. And then I try to fix it or I try to help someone fix it. And instead of processing my own guilt or my own feelings or my own shame around whatever it is. I think mine would probably be like anxiety, anxious. I mean, my grandmother is incredibly anxious. My mom is kind of a neurotic anxious. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So growing up, like I remember... Like my grandma still tells me, she's like, Josh, you are so cute. You would always say my nervous, nervous, like 
Like, I was two and three saying that, yep, I'm nervous because, like, that's what I heard. Like, I heard everyone saying, like, they're nervous, they're anxious, like, people kind of freaking out. So, yeah, that's what I do. I get anxious, I get nervous, and I start, like, running through and ruminating on all of these possibilities that are more than likely never going to happen. But it's that preparatory piece of... I need to be prepared in case these things happen because I don't want to be taken off guard. I mean, and then you add your own experiences on top of it and it compounds and makes things right. kind of wild, more wild than normal. Mm-hmm. But yeah, my anxious part is highly active. When we went through the Imago training... One of the trainers, Nedra, so Nedra, if you're listening, thank you. Um, You taught us about the wise mind piece where essentially you go through and you talk to all these parts or give all of these parts a voice and then the wise mind. So I don't know, like I explain it to my clients and the way that it makes sense to me is if I see all of these parts as adaptations, so some of them are still locked as in the age that they were formed. So my anxious part is still really little. I mean, it wants to make sure that people are there, that it's safe. And so often when we feel anxious, our first, like my first thing is, is like, I'm going to ignore this shit. Like I need to get away from whatever's making me anxious. So I'm not feeling anxious anymore. And to a degree, like, A, it's reaffirming that Yep, that situation right there makes me anxious because I'm not anxious over here. And two, like, I see that as kind of abandoning that anxious piece. So there's a part of me that is abandoning that two-year-old, three-year-old self because I can't, in as an adult, wrap my mind around that it feels different as an adult than it did as a kid. Because as a two or three year old, yeah, that feeling, like I have no mental capacity to even understand what that feeling is. But as a 36, 37 year old man, like I can understand like, yep, this is why I'm anxious. Like it's an uncertain piece. So I'm able to engage with that anxious piece a little bit more. And in a different way, like I can understand pieces of it better. So I think that like that wise mind piece is being able to speak to those parts with empathy and compassion Mm -hmm. while also being able to recognize that, hey, I may live with anxiety for the rest of my life. Okay, so I know that this situation is making me anxious. I'm starting to feel anxious. Anxious part can maybe we have a cup of tea before we feel your anxiety can we at least take five seconds or five minutes to try something like work with me here you know so it gives us an opportunity to I don't know just try something new and we start seeing ourselves as something more than just our anxious piece because that's what I really find often People who are anxious, like, that's how they sum themselves up. I'm an anxious person. Well, there's more to you than that. Like, you're more than the sum of the parts, right? 
it's finding the other parts and giving them presence as well and recognizing when those parts are present so that we can start identifying as more than just that one part that's hurting or anxious or guilty or scared, whatever the part or feeling is abandoned. Um, Yeah. And that dialogue that you're talking about between the parts is critical. Yeah. Because a lot of times, like there hasn't been that teaching or that learning of how to have those coming together, connecting experiences of allowing the parts to be heard or listened to or validated or empathized with. Yep. And I think you told me one time, like you are learning to parent yourself. Hmm. Like, and that's, isn't it so much fun? I mean, yeah. Like, and I explain it to my clients that way too. Like you're getting to have conversations with yourself that you didn't have as a kid. Mm-hmm. Like that is powerful stuff. Like, yeah, it is. Does that mean that our parents didn't love us? No, like, nope. they just may not have known. Like, right. like I said, my mom and grandmother were crazy anxious. Like, <laughs> like literally. Well, they didn't they were know. Working off their, they were working off their own blueprints. They were working yeah. off the blueprints before them. And so it makes sense that there would be that experience of the anxiety. Yep. Yep. And how to deal with it and adapt to it. And I do think there is a critical piece of until something happens in your life where it calls you to awareness, it is very difficult to look at the blueprint. I mean, we're so unaware of it. I mean, it's our normal thing. Yep. There was a, what's the show? Couples Therapy. And I know I mentioned it last season too. But like, Dr. Orna talks to this couple about this lady's anxiety and she's talking about how you know her mom wants the best for her or always wanted the best for her and she did all these things to make her mom happy come to find out like mom is a highly anxious person too and unless her daughter did the very best then it really wasn't good enough so now the daughter has her own kids and she says the same things about her husband that she says about her mom. Like, well, they want the best for me. Mm-hmm. They da da da. And they're only happy when this and the, like, it's the, it's a projection of like where they are versus where they've come from. So like, yeah, I don't know. It's really interesting. And if you haven't had an opportunity to watch couples therapy, go watch couples therapy. It's on Amazon, but, and this isn't a paid advertisement, but it is really good. But yeah, sorry, my random off the wall comments about TV shows. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, I do think it is critical. The conversation that we have with each part is huge. Well, and it's either they talk to themselves and you not be aware or you can be aware and actually be part of the conversation right? in your conscious mind. Right. Because you are talking to yourself all the time. You are engaging with yourself all of the time. Your brain is automatically in that space where it is firing on those synapses and those different neuron pathways, those blueprints that have been set. And so why not engage it? 
Right. No, I mean, don't get me wrong. If someone called me out for helping a person out of guilt, I'd be like, what are you talking about? You're foolish. Like, I'd be thinking that in my head. I'm like, come on, I'm just helping someone. Right. But if I stopped and had the conversation with myself, I might find that I'm doing something out of another motive that I wasn't even aware of. Why I feel like I need to talk all the time or explain everything the way I do. Yeah, I'm anxious. Like, I don't want to seem like I don't know what I'm talking about. I want to... I mean, so yeah, totally get it. And I find the people who are generally defensive, like you said, are the people that aren't aware enough to recognize, like, oh, this is a part. Right. And, and I don't think parts are bad. No. I mean, they're not good. They're not bad. They just are. Like, yep. I think if we're able to kind of step away from that critical piece, not only with ourselves, but with others when those parts are pointed out, it is so much more helpful. Because generally, if we're going to be critical to someone else for pointing it out, we're going to turn around and be critical to ourselves for doing it. Absolutely. And I find that the critical eye in parts work is, in some cases, another part Mm -hmm. and potentially a voice of a caregiver. Sure. I mean, I think we have a choir of parts that are always right. talking at all at any given moment. Like, I can hear my mom, I can hear my dad, my grandmother, my friend, my ex, my boss, my client. Like, I mean, they're all talking. I mean, I can hear mm-hmm. the church. I can hear whatever. I mean, so the conflict that we feel within ourselves, I mean, yeah, no wonder we're so conflicted over things or so upset about decisions we have to make because there are so many pieces and parts that are trying to get attention when we make, especially making big decisions. And something I don't think is talked about enough is that like we talk about parts that are created out of disconnection or out of like patterns that have been set for generations but there are also I would consider like for our purposes like a part of ourself that is a core truth and so whatever that is for you whether it be a truth of love or a truth of compassion or a truth of giving or like it like it could be anything a truth of justice a truth of what's another truth like joy, happy, aliveness, compassion, empathy, like encouragement, validation. I think that a lot of our core pieces are, you know, it's that joyful aliveness piece. Like whatever creates those alive, happy, joyful pieces of us, like those true moments of those things, whatever it is. That's core, right? Is that what you mean? Yeah. And I guess my point in bringing them up is so that people know that they can uncover those or that Mm. those can have a voice too. For sure. Because if you didn't get that from your caregivers, it's much harder to access. Yeah. It's always there, but it's harder to access. 
It may be in one of those rooms you've locked away underneath all the stuff in a box in a safe or something. Right. But sometimes it just takes a little excavating. Excavating. Yep. And, I mean, I'll be truthful, it's painful. Mm-hmm. Like to go through change or to uncover something or to look at something in a different perspective that you've never thought of before. Yeah, like it's the questioning of essentially like our belief. Mm-hmm. Like, and it can absolutely throw you into an existential crisis. Right. And that's where I think managing self-criticism is super, super important. Yep. Because if you can entertain that you do talk to yourself all the time and you do feel with yourself all the time or you do do things with yourself all the time, then you can start to notice when that criticism is showing up versus how you want to engage those core parts that are true for you. Yeah, that mindfulness, that awareness. And that takes time to manage, but I think that, or takes time not to manage, but to become aware, yeah, to engage it. But I think starting the process is important. Mm -hmm. So I'm curious, Abby, one thing I can walk away with today If one part of me is trying to express something, what is it trying to say? If one part of you is trying to express something, what is it trying to say? And what about for you? It's the idea of how much I'm actually always talking to myself and recognizing that I also hold some of the power and what parts can show up. So if I'm in a critical, anxious state, like I can also add a happy part into the conversation and I don't have to be kind of swept up into the dynamic, the internalized family dynamics of my parts. I am able to start shifting some of those things. And so in that talking to yourself, there are other parts that you can add to help that experience of that dialogue. Yeah. Well, as always, Abby, I appreciate you and appreciate you being present with me today to do this. Thank you. Me too. Yeah. And as always, feel free to check out our website at www.stillpointshealing.com. You can check out our Facebook, Instagram, and Pinterest at Still Point Healing. And you can always email us here at the podcast with any questions at so you can heal at stillpointhealing.com. And a invitation to all those listening, please subscribe, rate, and review our podcast because the more rates and reviews and subscriptions we have the more present we can be for others and if you already have many blessings and thanks and until next time